You make software. We're here to help you do it better. I'm Mark Littlewood. You're listening to the Business of Software podcast, where we share talks from our conferences and discussions with software people that will make you think. You can find out more at businessofsoftware.org. Today's episode of the Business of Software podcast is with Alex Osterwalder, who's talking about designing organizational culture. Alex is the inventor of the business model canvas, amongst other things. Um, And this is a fantastic talk about how you think about creating a canvas and a platform to build a strong and sustainable corporate culture. Enjoy. Okay, so I'm going to talk about culture. This is completely new. Some of it is pretty validated. Some of it is new. I'm a bit worried because it's so new. Like if I was Irish, I could make jokes to cover up if it doesn't work. But I'm Swiss, <laughs> which is not funny. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I even I told my kids I want to try to do stand up and maybe just you know as as a practice. And they said, Dad, Daddy, you're not funny. <laughs> so I'm not going to try. It's sad, I know. Um, but I'll stop trying to make jokes now. Okay. So if I ca- if you catch me, just just laugh a little bit. It'll be fine. So I'm going to talk about a more serious topic. Um, today, organizational culture. I think it's very important. It's important for our organization. So my co-founder, Alan Smith, is here. And it's something that is on our mind a lot, in addition to all of the other things that you do as an entrepreneur. But a lot of the work that I'm going to talk about doesn't come just from us, from myself. It comes from this guy here, Dave Gray, who says uh, company's culture is your OS, your operating system. And he did a lot of the groundwork of what you're going to see today. So we collaborated with Dave to create a tool to design organizational culture. The other person who's not in the room who helped with this tool a lot is Yves Pinier, my long-term friend, co-author, and now neighbor, funny enough. We tried to design a tool that's super practical because otherwise business tools, and we'll get into that, are just not used in companies because we have a lot of other stuff to do. So I'll get into that. Now, why should we care about corporate culture, organizational culture, team culture, however you want to call it, there are many reasons. And it always gets brushed aside a little bit, you know, when, because we, we're occupied with product management, with making money, figuring out the business model, dealing with customers. But this is an important part, and I think we've seen it throughout the conference. We had great talks, just the one before, about why culture matters. I'm going to try to make a point to show how we can actually design it. So one of the key things here is why it's important is there is a problem with engagement in many, many companies. And I think we should take this seriously. Hard act to follow, Emma, I must admit. (laughs) So if you look at how engaged people were in 2014, this is um, from the Gallup poll, three out of 10 people feel like they're engaged at work. And we've seen this stat the first day. Five out of 10 people don't feel engaged in their work, and three or two here out of 10 actively disengage. So what does this mean? This means that seven out of 10 people spend 90,000 hours (laughs) doing something that they don't want to do in a company that they don't want to be at, probably, at a place they don't want to be at. That is ridiculous, isn't it? And I'm sure we're all going to say, well, that's not in our company, (laughs) right? We don't want it to happen. And I think it's important that this shouldn't happen 
Because number one, we want to have fun, and I think it has an, an impact on results. But number two, also, if you're in a software business, well, it's going to be really hard to retain people because it's hard to find great software developers, so you need to create the right culture so they stay. So you have a great team that can work together and inspire each other. So the costs, I mean, people try to, try to quantify this, are giganormous. I mean, look at this. And this is just managers that are disengaged or actively disengaging, not engaged or actively disengaging. The cost is about 400 billion US dollars annually just for the US. Imagine that. And a lot of people here are not from the US. I talked to somebody from Brazil this morning. That is crazy. But the reason why we don't really tackle this is because it's such a soft issue. Okay? But it shouldn't be, and I think we can make it a bit better to play with so we can design it. Just like we do product design, why don't we have culture design? Why don't we use the same kind of thinking and tools and processes we use to design products to design culture? It's kind of the idea what I want to talk about. So the colors are not very good. See, I'm not a designer. You can see that. If you look at the desired culture that we have in many companies, and the actual culture, there's a bit of a gap. And we don't even know often how big or how small this gap is. And sometimes we just try to kind of brush it away. And there are tons of topics that lead to this gap, you know, that the bonuses and performance are not correlated, the culture of fear, political infighting, anything you want. I see some people smiling, recognizing some of these. Who of you can recognize at least one of these in your current job or in a former job. There you go. So this is what we see every day. And I think we can change this and turn our companies into something better, where there's a bigger overlap between desired culture and actual culture. That's what I'm going to try to do a little bit today. And I'm going to get you to work with a tool that we designed together with Dave Gray and Yves Pinier and now also with Alan. Now, the reason I'm fascinated by these things, I'm a bit of a tool geek, so every year <laughs> when I speak at Boss, I speak about tools. Some of you might think, well, this guy's crazy. I am pretty obsessed by tools in business for a simple reason. I think if you look at science and other areas, here let's take imaging technology, the advances in tools have been pretty spectacular. So here you have an image of the planet Pluto in 1997. Okay, 1997. I actually stole this uh, idea of showing this from, from a Google guy at, at a conference in, in London. But I found it impressive because from then to 2015, the imaging technology, the tools in this space, really transformed what we could do. So when it comes to these kind of technical, technological, scientific things, we make amazing progress, right? Now let's look at organizational design. It's a bit unfair, I know. <laughs> there are some tools there. There's actually a lot of science. So I'm not saying that we haven't made advances in understanding certain things, what motivates people, and how should we incentivize people. Yeah, sure. But the tools we use in business haven't followed. So there's actually a gap between what we know and what we do, which shouldn't be if we're really serious about business. Okay? So I think we can do better 
and we can move on a little bit. And I think it's important because it's pretty stressful to work with yesterday's tools to solve today's problems. Showed this slide um, in other contexts when I was talking about tools to design business models and value propositions. I think it's time to find tools to design organizational culture. A bit provocative. And some of you might say after this talk, eh, I don't know yet. Try it out. So what if we had better tools to design better companies? So I'm taking a step back. Now, I'm not just talking about culture, but great companies. So what is a great company? What do we need to have a great company? And I don't mean just in the sense of culture, but a great company. We first need, otherwise there is no company, it needs to make a profit, or at least earn more money than it spends, right? Otherwise, it's gone. Only if you're a country like Greece or Ireland, you can actually survive <laughs> by spending more than... <laughs> See, that was a very timid intellectual joke. Some two or three laughed. <laughs> okay, so you want a profit-spitting machine, number one. Number two, you want to get customers excited. That doesn't always, I mean, we, we always say, well, one leads to the other, but you know what? Banks actually make a shitload of money. Do they excite customers? Who's excited about the products that their banks offers them? Okay, so, so I think we can do both, okay? We can do both. And there's some obvious examples here. But then, I think it's very important if we talk about great companies, so people always mention Apple for the first two, but is Apple really a great place to work at and Google? Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe the stress is crazy. Maybe the pressure is crazy. Maybe there is political infighting that we don't see in the press because all we see is the money and the great products and so on. So I think we also need this aspect here, having a great place to work so people are satisfied. And we now know, you know, there's research showing that one leads to the other. It's just that we don't work on this aspect as much as we do on the other two. I think that's going to change. And I think this was a theme also throughout the three days. And the third one, I'm going to leave this one aside. <laughs> I also think great companies, and this is a pure opinion, should make the world a better place. And that could be as simple as, you know, if you have a work-life balance, if you can bring your kids to work or whatever, you don't have to work 90 hours every week. That makes the world a better place. It doesn't have to be, you know, poverty alleviation, which is also, that would be even better, right? So these four things, I think, make up for a great company. Now, you want to focus on these two first, because otherwise there is no company. We always say, okay, maybe we want to start with that one, but you know what? And here, particularly for startups, I like to quote Ben Horowitz, who says, well, the world is, the world is full of bankrupt companies with great cultures. You can bring your dog, you can play ping pong, you have work-life balance, and so on. Boom, they're gone. Okay, so startup needs to have the business model right, the value proposition right, and then, obviously, Next step, have a great culture. But when you look at existing companies, it's actually a little bit different. If you have a bad culture and your employees are pissed, not happy, they're fighting, there's examples, I'm going to show you one, well, that might infect the other two. Okay, so when you're an existing company, it's a bit different. A bad culture can actually lead, or the wrong culture can actually lead to bankruptcy. So I don't 100% agree with Ben, because in an existing company, this could happen, can it infect the other parts, and we don't want that. 
So back to the topic of tools and designing great companies, I think this is important. And some of you have maybe seen me show this, these two, three slides that I'm going to show. I think in business, we're becoming more of a profession. So the last three days, we've heard a lot of jokes from engineers <laughs> joking about business people. Rightfully so. Because I think we're not as professional in some aspects of business as we are in, for example, engineering. I don't mean the operational stuff, finance, accounting, that's pretty good. Marketing, getting better. But when it comes to designing value propositions, strategies, business models, and culture, I think we can be more professional, like a real profession. Let's take a heart surgeon. A heart surgeon is pretty good at using tools and pretty good at procedures, and they're trained for a very long time. So if you have to go through heart surgery, I think you wouldn't be very happy if your surgeon showed up with a Swiss Army knife. Don't get me wrong, Swiss Army knives are cool. <laughs> we have few things in Switzerland, like chocolate, watches, bank accounts, but Swiss Army knife, pretty cool. Okay, another, sorry, okay, I'll stop. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> really giving up now. Okay, so surgeons have a whole series of tools, and more importantly, in addition to these tools that are pretty sophisticated, and they'll use some more than others, they're trained for 13 years to use these tools before they snip around on a person. We snip around on businesses all the time without any training, isn't it? I think this is changing, and I see a whole new generation in business schools being trained with these kind of tools and becoming a bit more like a profession. Okay? And this doesn't have anything to do with the quality of the people. This has to do with the quality of the tools and the habits of using tools in business. Okay? So organizational design, you could say we're still here, but we're getting better at it. And what I mean with business tools is simply a conceptual framework that is turned into a practical tool to solve a specific business problem, specific. Okay, not a Swiss Army knife that does everything, but a tool for strategy mission, a tool for business models, value propositions, and culture. Culture is what we're going to look at today. So that's what we kind of try to do with Strategizer. Came up with something around business models. Who have you ever used the business model canvas? Just to get a feel. Okay, so you're already more professional than many others. The value proposition canvas, which I presented um, in another Biff talk, uh, uh, boss talk. And the culture map that we're going to look at today, which we can use, we're going to focus on this one, to design organizational culture. Okay? So that's the idea here. Now, how do we design organizational culture? By, we're going to look at three things. The tools, the aspect of designing, maybe using processes from the design world, prototyping, and so on. And then testing. If the ideas that we have to design a better culture actually work. So it's this idea of bringing the lean startup tool set to designing culture. Who of you heard of lean startup? Okay, pretty standard now. What if we could use that experimenting and testing to design better organizational cultures and be as rigid with, or as, as um, um, methodological, metho methodical, how do you say this in English? Gee, methodical in designing and testing cultures as we are 
when it comes to products. Okay? That would be pretty good because we would design better cultures. And cultures have to evolve. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. So let's start with tools. And I'm going to get you to do a simple exercise so you don't just listen to me all the time. It's very simple. I want you to discuss with your seat neighbor what corporate culture is, or organizational culture, however you want to call it, what it consists of, what are the elements of it, and I want you to write down a definition. Okay? I'll give you one and a half minutes to do that. Discuss with your seat neighbor what is corporate culture. Write it down. Okay? Let's go. One minute. Write down a definition. Okay, don't Google it. <laughs> don't Google it. <laughs> Have a quick conversation. Anybody, what did you come up with? Who's an entrepreneur in the room? Hands up. Okay, you should be the first to say, what did you, what did you discuss? What's organizational culture? Front row? Yeah, sure, okay. Organizational culture is intention, attitude, expectations, your default behavior, both what you encourage and don't tolerate. Okay, did you use Google? <laughs> Great, okay, excellent. So first definition, anybody have a slightly different definition, other elements, yeah, perfect. The reward system and how you indicate to new hires or new employees what's important. Okay, so we have another element here which is different. Well, what actually leads to culture, right? Anybody want another definition? Fine? Okay, so if you ask the entire room, what you're going to see is that everybody will have a different, different definition, different understanding, maybe similar, but you know, what is it really? What do we, if we want to design a culture, what do we really work on? It's this idea of the Tower of Babel. If we don't speak the same language, it's pretty hard to design the thing, right? To build it. So what if we had a better definition, better language to speak about it? So I'm just going to throw in a little definition here. What's more important after is the tool. So corporate culture, the values, beliefs, and behaviors practiced in an organization. Okay? But to take... The other point that we've just seen, well, to quote Dave here, the habits come from somewhere. So it's basically what you reward over time to lead, that leads to that practice behavior. So you need both elements. So I'm going to add this to the definition. So corporate culture is formed over time because they are rewarded or punished by formal and informal rules, rituals, incentive systems, etc. Okay, this is just a definition. But we need to start from something shared and I don't think the definition is most important. We'll look at a tool to share our understanding and have a better language, just like we, some of you did with the business model canvas and value proposition canvas for other topics. So I want you to do another little exercise. This is going to be a little bit longer, just two minutes maybe. I want you to describe, so just one person to the other, then I'm going to clap and we're going to switch the roles. Describe your corporate culture to your seat neighbor and elaborate what actually led to that. So why is it the way it is? Okay, so if you have a great corporate culture, why is that? Because you have a ping pong table? Well, probably not. Okay? You hired the right people maybe, right? So those kind of things. Okay, so just very short. I'll give you one and a half, one minute for the first person. I'll clap and then we'll switch, okay? One person describes to the other. What is your corporate culture and why is it the way it is? Okay, let's go. Okay. Let's continue together. Let's continue together. Okay. 
Okay. So, not that easy, right? Not that easy. Well, how am I going to talk about this huge topic in such a short time, and what am I going to talk about, and so on? So, what if, what if you could systematically map your culture and intentionally design a great organizational culture? What if you could have this conversation in a more structured way? Because you have a shared language, because you have a shared tool, because you all know what you're talking about, so you can map it, discuss it, and then, if you want, design a new one. Some are smiling, I don't know if they're skeptical, but what if you could do that? What if you could do that? So, let's take this definition and try to turn it into a tool. And Dave started working on this after we had an initial workshop on corporate culture. He did all the groundwork, which is you know, looking at the academic research, what are all the things out there on corporate culture, taking that theory, turning it into a framework and a concept, then we started helping iterate, pivot that framework and tool a couple of times until we thought we had something that could actually get adopted by business people. Because the first one you saw was pretty complicated. It's just a grid thing. Who's going to use that if it's too difficult to use in a meeting? So we came up with something very simple. Something very simple. So simple that your first reaction might be, what? That's it? <laughs> I'm listening to this guy for one hour for this? <laughs> well, I promise you, try it out. Because we did test this, obviously, in the real world. We don't just believe this is going to work. It does work. It's pretty powerful. And it's powerful because it's simple. Okay? It doesn't do everything, but it allows you to have a conversation on culture. And the first thing you just want to discuss is what are the behaviors, the first building block of your little tool. What are the behaviors you have in your organization today? How do we act? How do we conduct ourselves, especially towards others? What do we do? How do we behave? And you could start mapping that out. Put it on a wall. You get it team conversation going and put up the post-it notes, and that can be very difficult, right? It can be a very difficult conversation because you're going to put up the behaviors there that really suck. People backstabbing, people not being rewarded, okay? All those kind of things should come out. So you can have a whole series of trigger questions. What do we do? What do we say? How do we act? How do we interact? What are, what's the language we use? What is an example of a typical behavior, patterns of behaviors? Bring it all out. Okay, so you just map that. And the beauty of this is actually mapping it, making it tangible, putting it out. If you have a one-to-one -one conversation, I remember talking with Paul Kenny about this in the, during the break yesterday. If you put it out there, you depoliticize it a little bit. If you have one-to-one -one conversations about behavior, bang, it's going to blow up in your face. Okay? So that's the first element. Then the second element is behavior leads to outcomes. That outcome could be a culture of fear, could be great quality software. The positive aspects, right? If you have a great culture that leads to great software, perfect. We heard before, right? Bad customer satisfaction, unsatisfied customers. Those are outcomes. Or the other one, if you do it right, great customer satisfaction. So you map out the outcomes, which result from the behavior. So what happens because of our behavior? What are the results we're seeing? You just put those up there. Pretty straightforward. And then the other aspect here that we often miss out on, so we do this pretty often, pretty well. We discuss that. 
But we sometimes forget to really discuss what leads to this behavior and the outcomes. What's under the surface? What are the enablers of behavior? And what are the blockers of behavior? So you need to discuss these things because that's what leads, leads over time to culture. And we had that in the little definition, so thank you for that. So we forget sometimes to map this aspect out. So you'll have questions like, what causes or influences this behavior? And you come up with very concrete things. Well, our incentive system pushes people to hurry and not focus on quality, all those kind of things. Those could be formal enablers, like salary, rewards. Could be informal, like the way the boss behaves or the team leader. See what I mean? Okay. Then this can be very formal, if you want, or very informal. And yesterday, you've seen a great example of this. Even architecture leads to certain behaviors and outcomes. So this is a pretty interesting one, because in our team, what we do with companies, we try to get them to work visually. But in most of the, so I work with large companies like Colgate and MasterCard, you don't have any whiteboard in a meeting room. Like, the dev team will, but as soon as we're in business, it's a bit less. You don't have a flip chart. Does anybody know actually why? So when there is a whiteboard, it's not used. Does anybody know why whiteboards are not used when they're there? They usually don't have the pens, the markers. <laughs> okay, so wow, that seems like a funny blocker, but it's reality. There's, there's research on that. Pretty crazy, right? <laughs> they, they were permanent markers. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> So if you don't have the money to pay that, you can work more like IDEO, where they have these boards that are movable. So the design of your workspace actually has an impact on behavior and outcomes. That's just one example. And then more difficult ones might be reward systems, salary, and so on. Okay, but think of it. Think of it. Then there's, here's my favorite, which we use in hiring. <laughs> Anybody who, who's read this book? Okay, we had some book recommendations. You need to read this. <laughs> Bob Sutton wrote this book. It was a huge success. You don't want to hire stars that ruin your corporate culture. Because maybe hiring stars will have a bigger negative impact than actually hiring them and getting them to do the right thing in a little space. Okay? So the no asshole rule is something we use in, in hiring. So I'm the only asshole in the company. <laughs> okay. So... Then you have the blockers. What prevents good behavior? You want to map those out, and you want to have a conversation on this in the team. This will come out. So Dave did a couple of these workshops. We mainly did these in our company, but Dave did a lot of these with medium-sized companies, very large companies, companies that have disappeared, like Nokia, <laughs> okay? where he looked at these things. Pretty amazing, pretty amazing. So in the blockers, you have everything that prevents you from the behavior you want, okay? So you're gonna get the slides, you're gonna have all these trigger questions, so don't worry. You can't tweet the photos if you want. But now let's look at the physical space, just to focus on one, there are many, right? Do you think this is gonna lead to great collaboration? What is this gonna lead to? Distraction, Distraction. and you have the screens there, but you're gonna have a lot of blah, 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 blah. A lot of talking, no whiteboarding, no tools will be used. 
This just is not the right thing to do. And here even worse, it's my favorite boardroom. You can hardly, you can, you can hardly sit down. This looks, to be very honest, um, this looks like um, one of the workshops I did in Ecuador. <laughs> so the design of the rooms actually have an impact on how you're going to work. Silly as that, right? You, you want to look at all of these factors that block the right behavior. So this is a prototype tool, but it's tested pretty rigidly in, in different companies. So I would suggest you go and try that out to see how this works. And I'm going to give you some examples. These are not examples that they used. But to illustrate it, if you take Andreessen Horowitz, just to introduce you to the tool before you use it, um, some of you might know them. And actually, that would be another book recommendation for any entrepreneur you do have to read Ben's book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. You will recognize every single sentence in there. Okay? And he gives some good tips. I usually don't like these kind of books that have a lot of text and tips and just stories, but that one really works. Okay? So after being an entrepreneur, Ben Horowitz became a VC together with Mark Andreessen. Okay? And they were entrepreneurs. And they said, when we went to VCs, venture capitalists, we didn't feel like we were respected. We didn't feel like they got it, that they took us seriously as people, as entrepreneurs. They just wanted to make money. And we were just, you know, the bacon there. So he said, or they said together with Mark Andreessen, we always want to be on time for meetings. That seems like a silly small thing. But they said, from their experience, they hated waiting in a meeting room when they were going looking for money. They had to wait for 30 minutes until these eh, VCs would come in. Okay. <laughs> Another attempt, didn't work. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to make fun of VCs. That's too easy. That I, even I could make you laugh. So maybe not. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Gee, this is, oh my goodness. Don't try this. I'll listen to my kids more. <laughs> okay, so what's the problem here? My bad jokes are getting the first people to leave. Busy call schedules. <laughs> busy call schedules. And being preoccupied with things that seem important. But they said, no, 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 no. We want to make clear that everybody needs to be on time. And there's a cost for that. So they rigidly enforced a $10 per minute fine. So if you had an important call 10 minutes late, well, you bring $100 immediately to the meeting and you pay, okay? That might not be a lot for a VC, but you know what? People were shocked. And people who joined Andreessen Horowitz, when they saw this, is you're crazy. And that gave them an opportunity to talk about the culture of respecting entrepreneurs. So it can be these small things. I'm not talking yet about the big things when you talk about culture, but it starts with the small things. And all of these together actually make up for your culture. Okay? In this case, time, being on time, was important. I'm looking at Alan because <laughs> we're not that much on time. <laughs> we don't take each other as seriously enough, I guess. So that's just one example. Now I'll show you what another thing, so now from our, from our little world. Well, we think it's important to have a happy team because we actually find it very difficult to find great people, people who are excited about what we do, who are great, who have great skills. That's pretty hard to find. So we said, well, 
If we want that in low turn, um, employee turnover, we actually need to collect happiness data systematically. We need to ask how we can improve all the time. So this goes back to Claire's talk a little bit, which I really liked a lot. And then we need to act on that feedback. Just collecting the data is not going to work. So what did we do? We put in place a thing called Tiny Pulse. Silly tool that sends out questions every week. So um, regularly, this question comes up on a scale of 1 to 10, how happy are you at work? We ask our team, how happy are you at work? As an early warning system, when this goes down. And at the beginning, we weren't super happy. So we had kind of this, here's 7, here's 10. I, I think we'd be, Alan and I would really love to have everybody here over at a 10. And I think so you can get somehow to that. This one was actually a joke. So somebody put, I'm just kidding, it's a 10. That's good. But <laughs> I got a shock first when I saw this. Oh my god, who's going to leave? <laughs> okay, so we did actually act upon that and move it a bit more to the right. Now, just one of the more recent ones, we moved a little bit to the left, and we actually lost one of our junior engineers. Okay? So this is a good early warning system just to figure out, and then you've got to act upon that, of course. So another question we ask on a scale of 1 to 10, how enthusiastically would you reapply for your job here? Okay, so we want to get information on that because that really has to do with employee re retention. So those two together are pretty powerful questions. Okay? So you can use Claire's tool, you can use Tiny Pulse, um, very powerful just to keep going. Okay? So then another thing we do um, in our company calls, we're very distributed. We have meetings where we, do, where we have once a month a company call, and every now and then we do a black yellow hat exercise with the team. Anybody know Edward de Bono's thinking hats, black hat, yellow hat? Okay? So what we do is, and this is in a distributed environment, we ask everybody, what are all the things you hate about Strategize or a company? And for one minute, they type into the chat window, everybody in the team types there what they hate. Everybody needs to come up with the things they really don't like. Gives us a long list. You know what? It's stuff that doesn't just come out like that. In, in one minute, you got a pretty good list. I'm not going to show you that one. <laughs> okay? But it's really powerful. Then, of course, we, just don't, we don't just want to focus on the negative side. For one minute, everybody's going to type into the chat window what they love about strategizers. So we can kind of understand what are the things that came up there. So Tiny Pulse is actually anonymous. This one is not. Okay? So we put in place these kind of things so we can create the right kind of behavior and the right kind of outcome. And we can detect which, are, which ones are the behaviors that don't work. So silly small things like that can actually be a great lever if you're a leader of a team or a founder or co-founder of a company. This one really didn't work, strategizer ideas board. So I always make fun of companies that put up idea boards. We did it. <laughs> you know what? It's ridiculous. Okay. So, so ideas don't come up like that in a kind of a disconnected system. You want to design it into a meeting or so. Um, that will work a lot, a lot better, just like the yellow hats and, and black hats. Here's one we put in place um, a couple of, I don't know, months ago, coffee chats. So instead of always waiting for you know, three-month reviews or we do weekly, bi-weekly coffee chats. Very powerful to understand what's, what's not right with the behavior today. What are the enablers or blockers that are, are, are kind of preventing that, what, what we want to do there? So of course, we don't yet have actually some formal or informal enablers on the acting. We just do that. That's the founding team. But I think we need to actually put that into our DNA the more we grow. At the moment, we're just 20 people. 
So we started really designing culture maps with our dev team also. So Alan, with the product team, they had an offsite just a month ago, and they um, came together to discuss behaviors, outcomes, and what leads to that. Some good, some not good. Okay? You have to have a very honest conversation, and this needs to be an open conversation. Super hard to do. And what I liked about what um, Paul said yesterday is you want to have these conversations when things go well. That's what a great company does. When you have to have these conversations, it can be pretty hard, and you probably already lost a couple of people. So what I want you to do as a next exercise, if we can distribute now, sorry, I wasn't um, early enough. We're going to distribute. So I'm Swiss. I like getting others to do the work. <laughs> so you're going to get, see another one that was not funny? OK, you're going to get a canvas. <laughs> At least Mark gets me, OK? We have the same kind of humor. <laughs> So you're going to get a, a value, a, a, a culture map, and you're going to take this culture map and with sticky notes, don't worry, don't worry, with sticky notes, you can already think about it, you're going to do this. Either, can everybody listen? Can everybody listen? Simple exercise. You take your culture map individually, you take the sticky notes, you identify one consistently bad outcome that you're not happy with in your company or in your team. Okay? It can be team level, it can be company level, whatever you want. Then, in the behaviors block, you describe the behaviors that lead to that outcome. Got me? And then, you describe in enablers and blockers what led to that behavior. Which rules, which rituals, pretty straightforward. Okay? That's one way of doing it. Another way of doing it is you don't start with the bad outcomes. You start with the bad behaviors. You put up there in the middle block one or several bad behaviors, what kind of bad outcome it leads to, and what the enablers and blockers are. So I'm going to give you two minutes to do this individually. Okay? If you don't do it, it means you don't give a shit about your company's culture. So that's an incentive. And that's what you're communicating to the people beside you. They're never going to come work for you. And if they are in your company, they're going to leave. <laughs> OK, so let's go two minutes. OK, the goal is do this a couple of times. And we wanted to keep it as simple as possible. Because if it's too complicated, adoption goes down. We know that from some of our research. OK, so let's continue together for 30 seconds to present your map to your seat neighbor. OK? Present that problem to your seat neighbor. 30 seconds, I'll clap, and then we'll switch. OK, let's go. 30 seconds. OK, switch. So the powerful thing here is, these are conversations that if you're, if you're a great leader, if you're a, a great um, entrepreneur, you probably have some of these conversations. But I promise you, if you make these visual and tangible, they'll be even better. Okay? If you make them on a wall with a poster, get a team together, it will be a lot more powerful than if you sit around a table and blah, 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 blah. Okay? So it's just a structure to get you to do this in a better way than we used to do it so far. So, you can sketch out your as-is culture with your team, and it can be pretty painful, because things are going to come out that you didn't expect. And you want to do this when things are going well, 
But you also want to really do this when things are going bad. And it's a very powerful tool, and Dave has some, some, some great examples on this. So a great tool to make the hard culture conversations a lot more tangible. Now, since I'm not funny, I did need to, I know it might, might not actually be that relevant, but I needed to put in something that fits corporate culture. It's actually a TV show that makes fun of corporate culture. And it's super serious. Because we're in the Stone Age when it comes to talking about conflict, about you know, changing behaviors, about when things are going wrong, when people are not happy. So I'm going to have to show one minute of this. Um, I think it's funny, so at least I'll laugh. All right, everybody. There has been a lot of name-calling against our office today. Corporate maligning, slurring, much of it coming from one of you who claims that prison is better than here. And none of us can say boo, because none of us have ever been to prison. Well, there's somebody I'd like you to meet, somebody else who has been to prison, who can tell you what it is really like. I'm Prison Mike. You know why they call me Prison Mike? Do you really expect us to believe you're somebody else? Do you really expect me to not push you up against the wall, biatch? Oh, wow. Yes. Yes. All right, hey, hey, yeah. Okay. So, contrast that, contra contrast that with the heart surgeon. Now, of course, none of us do that. But, you know, I've worked a lot with pri private banks in Switzerland. And their corporate culture doesn't actually look like that. But they don't know how to manage often. And I think this is the same in a lot of large companies and sometimes in, in uh, startups because they have to go so fast. They don't know how to address these things, like things going wrong. So I think now we can be a little bit more like surgeons with a tool set. And the tool set is going to get better, right? It's, this is just one simple thing. We need a series of tools to do this right. So we actually asked ourselves um, as a team, why did millions of people adopt the business small canvas so we could design better tools? And we used this for, for the um, culture map. So a couple of things here, if you want to create your own business tools, well, make them visual. They need to be visual tools. You can, put it, you can put it on a wall and start working with that. That's what came out of the research we did with people who use the business small canvas. The other one is that they liked it because it facilitates a group conversa conversation. Same with the culture map. The tool gives the conversation some structure, which makes it pretty powerful. But it has to be practical, super practical. Otherwise, there's no adoption. And in addition to being practical, it needs to be intuitive. No buzzwords, simple concepts. And that's what we tried to do with the culture map. It's pretty straightforward. What we did learn, I think, with these kind of business tools, if the interface the user interface is broken, people are not going to use it. If the user experience of the business tool is broken, people are not going to adopt it. That's what we really learned, the difference, when we looked at this for the business small canvas, the difference between frameworks and business tools. A lot of frameworks out there. Some are great, but they haven't turned them into tools. So what Alan and I actually did two days ago, because this is still a prototype tool, is we were trying to figure out the right UI. It seems like crazy that we're going to spend a half a day on that, but we actually did. Okay, we might have a prioritization problem, but I don't think so. 
because these tools are really, really important. So let me just go briefly into design and into um, testing. So I like the quote that came up during a break. When we, so now you know why I needed to make a picture of you so I can actually draw you. <laughs> you can wireframe your culture. So we looked at an as-is state, but you can wireframe, make it tangible what you want to create. And that will make it a lot easier to start working towards that. Wireframe it with your team, the desired culture. Okay, so that's moving from as-is to a to-be culture. One that you want to create, which means different enablers, maybe new incentive systems. Focus on that to create the right behavior, different blockers, or eliminating, killing blockers, okay? So I took this. Um, while listening to the talk, I think this is pretty interesting as an example, because it can be just a tool, you can use it individually to design um, the hard changes. We started here with Bullhorn, terrible customer satisfaction. Now, the change was to create, you know, a lot, something a lot better. Live, live the Bullhorn core values. What, what do you do to create that? I think this really came out in the talk. Well, they changed the review system. They integrated those core values into the review system and they changed the incentive system. So it wasn't just words, it was very concrete. Okay? So you need to work on this bottom layer. And then, next one was, well, people who didn't believe in that, who were just into, we want to sell, 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 they're gone. That's pretty serious. That's living what you're talking about. You actually implement that. So I thought, found that pretty powerful, leading after to great customer satisfaction, of course, okay? So another one, this, my, this one I had, simple example before, I'm putting this one up too. Well, I like taking naps. I'd like people in our company to take naps. Um, it actually, there is a lot of research that shows that productivity goes through the roof. Now, who of you, actually has a company where you can, you can take naps and you don't feel like the biggest idiot in the world. That's, that's great. That's bigger than any audience I've ever seen. So if you can't do that, I mean, there's the alternatives. <laughs> <laughs> Our head of technology actually has one of those. <laughs> so, so, so this idea, increased productivity, people can tape a, take a nap, so you want to install these sleep pods or the ostrich thing. But is that enough? Of course not, because that's not just, just the stuff being available is not going to change. Well, maybe we don't have a boss, we just have some founders, but if you, know, you want to change the culture, you've got to live it. Somebody's got to live it. Who has the influence to, to change it, right? So it's those kind of things that you want to put in the enablers. Otherwise, the gimmicks, the ping pong table, <laughs> the ostrich pillow is not going to work. It's not going to make a difference, okay? So this seems kind of silly, right? But this is how you create change, and this is how you can make it a bit more systematic. So I just want you to do one last exercise to bring it home. I want you to take your map that you made and come up with enablers that can transform the issue that you mapped out before, okay? And just put the enablers there that would change that behavior that you didn't like and maybe eliminate the blockers, okay? So just one minute on changing your corporate culture. Take the problem you had and change that. Okay, let's go. One minute, individually, change your corporate culture. Let's go. I'm way over time. 
So I'm going to finish up with this last piece, testing. And since you're all going to get the slides, you can look at the other examples. That's not, I think, the most relevant. Here's one that I just would like to get you to think about a little bit. What if you could use these lean startup principles and apply them to designing organizational culture? So that means you take an idea that you put on paper and you start testing it. So let's, let's take Microsoft stack ranking. <laughs> Anybody remember that? <laughs> so I think they got rid of it. <laughs> but that was a pretty, pretty crazy thing. So they wanted to increase performance of people, so they introduced this system called stack ranking, which was about what? They would take members of a team, and everybody would be ranked. You would have a top tier. You would have the top performers, good performers, average performers, below average, and poor. So in a team of five stars, one of them would be a poor performer, would be labeled a poor performer with impact on rewards. Now guess what happens? Superstars stopped collaborating. You don't want to be, you want to be in a team with losers so you can stand out on top. Political horse trading, because they wanted to you know, get their whole thing right to get the right um, bonuses at the end. Focus on posturing rather than on the work led to a terrible decrease in performance, huge culture of fear and bureaucracy. Backfired, right? Could you have tested that? Well, maybe, maybe. But it definitely didn't work. So the tool alone, using tools, is not going to be enough. You actually need to test if what you, what you intend to do is going to have an impact. So let me just um, provoke you a little bit with this last one to show you that you can test, and I'll finish up so Mark doesn't get nervous that I overrun too much. So let's take this one. So we said this is going to boost your productivity. But do we know? So what we're going to do is we're going to use this test card, one of the tools we, you can find on the internet. You can Google it and download it. The test card, which we use for business models and value propositions. Let's use it here for culture. We believe that employees will nap more if the boss visibly naps three times a week. To verify that, we will watch if the teams use the pods, and we will measure the number of people who nap each day. And we're happy, we're satisfied, we were right if 30% of the team naps at least twice a week. So put there whatever you want. So silly example, silly example to show you, well, you might want to test those things just like you test for products. You want to test it for culture. So if you take your product seriously, your business model seriously, you make a ton of money, fine. You need to take this seriously too, in particular in software businesses, because you're going to, use your, you're going to lose your talent. You're going to use your, lose your best people because they deserve a great organizational culture. Your best people deserve a great organizational culture. So I'm going to stop with this. Three things you can do to start designing culture. Number one, if you have a little bit of time, 10 minutes, individually map your as-is culture beyond what we just did here. And think hard about the enablers and blockers. What enables good culture, bad culture? What blocks good culture? If you have a bit more time, bring your team together. This is super powerful. Uh, we did it with the product team. We're going to do it at our offsite next month in the mountains. We'll bring everybody to one place. Map and discuss your as-is culture as a starting point. You don't even need to design a new culture. Just being aware, making it tangible is super powerful. And if you have more time, design a workshop to move from an as-is culture to a desired state. Okay? Takes more time. Can be tough conversations depending on the culture you already have. Okay, the culture will have an impact. Pretty powerful. So we're going to do this. We practice what we preach. We try this out all the time. We're going to do this again at our offsite up here. Part of our culture is to take the coolest places in the world 
and bring everybody in our, in our team there. So thank you very much. I want you to think of this one thing that you're going to do differently tomorrow or when you get back to work to make your organization a better place. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Business of Software podcast. For more information, go to businessofsoftware.org.